I welcome you both to the show, two of the nicest MCs in the game. Of course, my name is Bobby J from Rockaway and Hush, Detroit and Queens collab. Welcome to the show, Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max, Light 365 IR Radio. How's it going tonight, guys? It's going great, man. Thank you yeah. for having us. Of course, 718-2313. Yes, sir. The first. This is the first time ever that this to happen. As far as we know, it is. You know what I'm saying? I know there's been collaboration songs and stuff in the past with New York and Detroit rappers, but um, yeah, man, I think um, me and Hush go way back. We've been friends for a long time, and we've been discussing doing music together. Um, and I think uh, the start of COVID was kind of the catalyst to get us in the studio together. And, you know, what started as a couple songs turned into an album um, that really just became bigger than the both of us. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people came into the fold, both from Detroit and New York. And that's where the whole concept of 7182313 came about, you know, it was just a meeting of the two cities. I think there's um, a big mutual respect not only between me and hush uh you know respectively as artists but just from city to city you know i think i'm heavily influenced by new york and, and detroit hip-hop um hush you know being a, a student of the the 80s and 90s like he's a student of of, of new york hip-hop and obviously his local scene so it's uh it was it was something that i thought that we thought was an interesting concept and um you know, like I said, as far as we know, we, we've never seen it done before. So to bring the two cities together and and, you know, make the, the, the hip hop that we want to make, it was uh, it was an incredible experience, man. We're super proud of this album. An incredible experience that I, I've heard before when doing my research and just listening to this album. It's definitely one for the books for hip hop goes. And, you know, you mentioned that you guys connected. You've been friends for a long time. You started out in the AOL chats back in the day. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, I was just a fan, man. Like I was most of my early, you know, hip hop experiences were online, man. Like I was just a kid in my basement, like trying to soak up all the hip hop knowledge I could, you know, I think at the time I was 12 or 13 years old, Napster had just come out and, you know, I had gone from listening to all the albums my brother brought home and was just trying to be a sponge and soak up as much hip hop as possible and, um, you know, I went online and discovered the underground, really. That's where I discovered underground hip hop. And, um, you know, in, in those early days, there would be underground rappers that would put like their AOL screen names or their their email addresses like on their albums. So I used to just be like I used to just add them as friends on AOL and be like, yo, let me instant message this guy. Let me see if I could send him some music. So I used to do that with Hush. Paradigm was another one, another Detroit artist. Um, and I, I was sending them songs like in the early 2000s, like, and just looking for feedback. And it was cool to me that I was talking to somebody that was actually like in the game, cutting his teeth, like trying to put records out. So he was always like, um, uh, uh, a mentor figure, you know, would always give me positive feedback, always told me to keep going. And he would come in and out of my, we would come in and out of each other's life, like just at weird opportune moments. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I wouldn't talk to him for a couple of years. And then I started working with Kwame and then we started talking again and I would send him, you know, when I put out my first video with him, I sent him the video and, you know, he was just like, pat me on the back, like, congratulations, man. That's great. And I think, um, when he was signed to Geffen, I actually hooked him up with Kwame to potentially do some music together. Um, and then, again, like he had his whole trajectory as an artist through Geffen. And then 
later on as an independent artist and we didn't speak for years. And then um, we start, he started following me on Instagram when I started doing the breakfast bar shit. And um, we connected again in like 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. And um, we just kept the rapport going and, around the start of the pandemic is when we actually really started making songs together. Um, the first of which is a song on the album called Monsters to Do on Maple Street. And um, we put that out. It got an amazing response like immediately. And we were like, let's, let's continue with this. Let's see where this goes. And that's, that was the start of the album. And I appreciated the, the Twilight Zone references, not only to the song title, but mentioned to kick the can in the song as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Twilight Zone, I think, is the greatest show ever made. So, you know, and, and though that those that time, March 2020, you know, when I wrote my verse was it was reflective of that episode. Have you ever seen the, the episode Monsters are Do on Maple Street? It It's kind of a metaphor for like what was going on at that time, just the uncertainty and, you know, everyone kind of being scared of each other. And it just it just made sense. Like, I don't know. That was the first line that came out when I started writing my verse. So um yeah it was it was crazy time so to go from the from way back then which seems like forever ago to now when we got this album out it's it's crazy you know hush back in the day bobby j was persistent i heard with trying to get your feedback at what point did you say to yourself man this kid's got talent and you decided to eventually collaborate with bobby j you know what when he first sent me the stuff that he like like I guess for him was like the official start of his career. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, like he said, like, you know, we would, we would fish in and out of each other's lives at certain spots. And, you know what I mean? And he was always a consummate fan of, like he said, like of Detroit hip hop, but, you know, and I knew that he was talking to other rappers from Detroit because like, like he was talking about, you know, he would be in those chat rooms and, you know, it's crazy because he would be in those chat rooms talking to us as as, you know, a teenager. And, you know, we were in our 20s, you know, uh, trying to really like get on you know, out of out of Detroit. And, you know, this was like the the hip hop shop era. You know, this was like the days of the shelter, like the eight mile days. And it's funny that he was, you know, he would be doing that while I'm in those chat rooms and I'm talking to like people that were that produced like Coogee raps for his album like Joe the Butcher yeah. and talking to him about production and what I should be using and that kind of stuff so you know that's that's how hip-hop works right so you know when he sent me his stuff that you know that first single he sent me which you know it had a video where he was like you know partying in, in, in the crib and all that stuff it was like it was dope because it was to me, it was just like, um, I don't know how to explain it. It was organic. You know, it was like, it was just fresh, you know, and not, not like hip, like, not like hip hop fresh, but like fresh and just, you know, as refreshing, you know, to see, to see that. And, and he, and he just was such a natural, but I know he hates to hear it from me, but I he, I am constantly reminding him that he keeps me on my toes, that his syllable game is unlike fucking anybody I know. Um, And, you know, he's so ill with his schemes, you know, when he's connecting, you know, 
six bars together, that first, those first two bars, you know, will have a syllable train to go with it. But then he comes around in the fifth and sixth and connects the scheme with all of it together. And, and that is just like, it, it's dope to me because he, Bobby reminds me of how M and I, when M and I, M and M and I were first coming up, we would sit in a car and like, listen to Chino XL and like dissect a Chino XL verse. And when we first heard Chino, you know, like no complex, like when you listen to those schemes, that's Bobby J. Like that's where Bobby, like that you hear the same stuff that we were listening for, you know, like the stuff that, that was, that was like, we were like MCs in training, you know, and, and getting our, you know, our, um, you know, bravado and stuff from rappers like Chino or even like corrupt, you know, corrupt with his crazy punchlines and metaphors. But then when you hear somebody that's, you know, like Bobby coming up, I knew it right out the gate, you know, like Bobby just has it, you know, and, and there's those kids that, you know, they want to rap, you know, and I, back then I was in those chat rooms talking to so many different people from all around the country. And, you know, they send you, you know, they'd send you the link for their demo or whatever. And, you know, 80% of it was trash, you know, I mean, it's, you know, they were, they were just, you know, they wanted to be a part of hip hop in some way, but there's the people that want to be a part of hip hop. And then there's the people that are hip hop. Like it's just in them, you know? And, and then knowing that Bobby came up under like one of my favorite rappers of all time, you know, tutelage of Kwame, he was already destined to, to do good. You know, he hit, it was, it, the fate was in his, you know, in his pocket because you know, Kwam is a student, was always a student of the game. Yo, this is a legendary, you know, MC who came up with, you know, other legendary Queens MCs, you know, in the golden era. You know, if you come up under any rapper that was dope during the golden era, meaning maybe 88 to 94, you're, you're going to be good. And Bobby is, you know... For me, you know, being at this point a pretty much a legacy artist, you know, for the city, Bobby's keeping me on my toes, man. And I tell him that all the time. The kid is he's getting doper every bar, every every song. So, yeah, I mean, I knew it when it came out the gate. And, I, you know, I did. I know that eventually we'd be working together. No, that like it just like Bobby said, like, you know, it just it was organic how it happened. But I knew, like I said, man, I just knew that with this kid, he could tell you, man, there's plenty of times that, you know, he sends me a verse and I go, you motherfucker, like, you, you're seriously, like, I got to do this. Like, I got to match this, you know, but we have we have energy that works for us, you know, and um, there's only been one album that Detroit artists have worked with another city. And it wasn't really necessarily a city. It's more like a, I mean, a state. And it was Cal Troy. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, I, there was all kinds of artists from Detroit and all kinds of artists from California. But there's never been anything, you know, with Mecca, you know, with New York. And so this was uh, this was something that him and I just, you know, we just worked at it being something special, you know. You've said it in the past before because of the, the people that influenced you growing up, the legends in the game, Big Daddy Kane. Cool G Rap is someone that you really idolize Absolutely. in hip-hop, even yeah, to this I mean, day. 
bro, I'm Gucci rap to me. Like I loved Big Daddy Kane. Like, and I loved Ice T. Ice T was actually the, the rapper that got me to start rapping because I saw him rap, you know, in a movie, you know. And I thought, and I was a break dancer, and I thought, oh, I can rap now. I, I you know, I saw I'm like, oh, I can do it, you know. But Big Daddy Kane was just he was everything to me. He was so smooth with it, you know, and he, he was just a player with the weight and he had the swag and, and had all the bravado and all that stuff. But from where I'm from, Coogee rap just matched Detroit energy for me. Like it was like road to the riches and like untouchable, you know, especially the remix for untouchable, um, you know, the want dead or alive album, like four, five, six, Four, five, six. I mean, anything G-Rap is on. I mean, you know, Bobby and I were just watching G-Rap spit at Rock the Bells. And I was like, this, look at this dude. This dude is doing this shit flawlessly at this age. You know, still like, it's just so natural for this dude. I've tried to even just lip sync the, the, the some of them bars and I can't do it. You know, but he would just, the toughness, the attitude, the bars are just so heavy with every Cool G rap verse. Like he's in the Hall of Fame first first ballot. You know what I mean? Like he's right out the gate. So, you know, Queens, I, I told Bobby this many times, Queens, MCs, it's just something about Queens. You know, I mean, it's it's Brooklyn has them, but Queens, Queens holds it down, man, to me, like in hip hop. Queens just holds it down from groups you know, um, to to all the other MCs that come out of Queens, man. I mean, you got Mob Deep, you got, you know, you got uh, Nas, LL Cool J, Nas, LL, like Run DMC, like it's, bro, it's it's hands down like the best borough to me when it comes to spitting bars. I agree. So having Bobby from Queens like just was icing on the cake, working on a project with somebody. I agree. And then Queens is really up there and just getting further into this because Bobby J, I know you've said that this was just a never ending album because Hush kept sending you beats for this. You thought it was, it was never going to end. Yeah, man. I mean, we, I think, um, I think once we hit our creative stride and, you know, other people started coming into the, the fold, whether it be Daru Jones, whether it be Marv One, Rose Spit, Kwame, you know, Michael Fire, Rob Swift, whatever, like we just, it just added a whole other level of excitement. And I think it, it, it brought the standard up to an almost like unattainable level. Like it, like we just were like, wow, man, like this really has to be something special because every record that we were doing eclipsed the song that we did before it. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was, uh, we, we, it really just kept getting better and better and better. And it, it, I, it took for me to like almost be like the, I guess like the executive producer at a certain point and be like, all right, we have enough songs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like literally, like if I, if, 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 if a line wasn't drawn in the sand and, and I totally understand why Hush wanted to keep doing songs, but like if, if a line wasn't drawn in the sand, we probably still be working on this album 
I still day. want to work on something. Like, I don't want to stop. <laughs> and, and, and in a way, in a way, we still are. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, true. It's um, you know what I mean? Like it's it it's, took my it, wait, hold on. It, it took my keyboard to break down to finally put a stop at everything we're doing because once my sampler went down. We we got no, I got no beats. I can't I can't make that. Right. <laughs> like yo, like honestly, man, like I know I know a lot of very talented artists like that that are all they could focus on is the creative process and making songs. And that's the only thing they're they're almost afraid to put music out. And um it's what stifles them, it's what stifles the, the world from hearing their their talent because they're just they're in a constant state of creativity and don't know when to say okay i have an album now you know what i'm saying and i see that happen to other people and i don't want that to happen to us you know there there needs to be there needs to be an adult in the room and sometimes i gotta you know trade the hat in for a suit and tie and be like listen the album's done now we got to think about a b c and d you know what i'm saying because i've i it's not my first rodeo. Um, I think in Hush's case, it's not his first rodeo, but I think that his last album was in 2014. And a lot, you know, that that might might as well have been 100 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of things have changed in that time. And the way records are promoted, the way albums are put out, you know, I think um, we had to we, we had to kind of pool our resources and our knowledge collectively to think about, you know, all right, album's done. How are we going to roll this out? Who's doing the artwork? How are we going to get the videos done? Like there's a whole, I knew that once the album is done, that's just step one. There's a whole myriad of things that need to happen after the album's mixed and mastered before you could even think about putting it out. And I know that sometimes that could take months. So I didn't want to take something that was already turning into basically like a year and a half of work um, to be extended to two and a half years. And I knew the work that needed to be done in order for, for it to be done properly. So, and like, for me, I hate sitting on music. And the last project I put out before this album was in July of 2021. So like, I just get like, I just get very jittery and I, I want to push it out. So, you know, I think there was there was a, a need after a certain point, we had like 20 songs done. And I'm like, yo, we, we narrow this down to the best records. Like we got a fucking, uh, 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 in my opinion, a classic album. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we trim the fat here. There's not a skippable song on this album. And, um, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's push and pull and, you know, me and hush butt heads sometimes, but I think at the end of the day, you know, we both understand what the goal is and that the goal is, it's to make the best album we possibly can make. You know what I mean? There's no, at the end of the day, we, we, we care about the music. And um, I think we're both very happy with what the, the finished product of this album is. I know Bobby J, this was a special album for you because your father's from Detroit. He went to university out there in Detroit. Your grandparents yeah. lived in Michigan. So you were going out to Michigan strictly to those suburbs at a young yep. age. And when you started going out to Detroit to record the album, Hush was bringing you out and showing you all over Detroit. Was there any particular albums that you studied for this particular, because you're already a student of the game, but was there any particular albums that you were studying from the Detroit area and Queens to make sure that this was really rooted and really paying homage to both places? 
Um, I don't know if there's any albums in, in particular. I just know that um, Detroit artists had just had a big impact on me, man. I mean, you know, the Dilla Donuts album, um, obviously Eminem, Slim Shady LP, Marshall Mathers LP, um, the D12 Underground EP was a, a, a huge album for me. Guys like IQ, um, Esham. Esham, and it's funny because like, Esham, I remember talking to Kwame um, about doing this album and he, he mentioned Esham because him and Esham, Esham used to open up for him on tour back in the 80s. So, and, and also um, he has a very close, he had a, a very close relationship with MC8 as well. Um, MC8 um, helped him a lot, uh, you know, when, when Kwame lost his deal and was trying to get uh, an, an independent deal in the, in the 90s. So, you know, just me as a fan, like I always respected Detroit as um, a city like Philly, like where, you know, Philly isn't New York, but they have that fucking tenacity in terms of, yeah, we're not New York, but we fucking rap virtually better than you guys. You know what I'm saying? Like Detroit is a city with a lot to prove and like going out to Detroit and recording in Detroit only um further solidified that for me because um i'm just amazed at the level of talent that exists out there you know and it's a very small close-knit group of people but everybody supports each other everybody works together but like you know you can see it man like elzai eminem royce to five nine guilty simpson black milk hush fucking paradigm like these guys like they don't fucking play around you know what i'm saying And, and i think a lot of New York rappers tend to be pompous and um, tend to to kind of underestimate what people from other cities can bring to the table. And it's like, yo, I think everybody that rapped on this album that's from Detroit, like the reason my verses sound the way they do is because I'm trying to keep up with them. So, you know, like I, I just I, I just have a lot of respect for Detroit as a city. And I know the feelings mutual will hush about New York. You know what I'm saying? Like we're the birthplace of hip hop. We, we, you know, you, you just mentioned Cool G rap. Like, the, I'm sure everybody from Detroit raps the way they do because they want the people in New York, the people that are the highfalutin, you know, pompous dudes that are like, you know, there's no. New York is the bar for us, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the bar for us. Like, you know, as much as as much as as other regions hate that New York is like that, I I, I would have to say that that attitude that pompous attitude is what makes made made them so much have to be so much nicer it's almost like being white in hip-hop you know what i'm saying like i had to be twice as nice as the next guy because i'm a white rapper you know what i mean so on one end you could hate it but at the same time it's like that's the type of attitude that keeps you on your toes that's that's what keeps you working hard because you want the respect you know what i mean and um you know, at the end of the day, this album's a celebration of, of, of both, you know, regions. So mm-hmm. yeah. I just mentioned before, and I agree, just listening to this album that you've only gotten better with time since I first met you and really dissected your catalog. What keeps you going and you're striving to get better each way? Because sometimes an artist, they hit a peak and you haven't hit your peak yet. You keep going and getting better with age. Um, Surrounding myself. He's got the formula now. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like, I think, um, fear of falling off is number one. 
Number two is um, I try to surround myself with people that I think are better than me. Honestly, you know what I'm saying? Like I want to rap. I'm not one of those guys that's like wants to be the only nice rapper in the room. Like there's a lot of rappers that I know personally that I think are incredible. And, you know, it's not it's hard to find inspiration. You know, it's hard to find inspiration, especially with new music where you listen to something that makes you want to write. And I think um, the biggest motivating factor for me is like being in the studio with somebody that I know is a, a fucking problem and is going to is going to is going to is going to bring their a game and it's like you know the pressure's on like i got to perform you know so so you know th that type of creative energy keeps me going um you know and 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 it's like you know you can't be the best unless you play against the best so you know i i i, I champion myself as like a rapper that you know i'm not intimidated by other rappers um you know um uh, i recognize when other people are dope and I'm not afraid to jump on a song with somebody that I perceive to be on my level or better than me. You know, I think at the end of the day, it's only making me better. Even if someone outshines me, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that only helps me get better. So, you know, I, I got to keep myself surrounded with like-minded people that are trying to be the best at what they do, you know? Hush, I want to touch on your life story because you have an amazing journey and just starting all the way from the beginning because you were listening to hip hop when you were 12 on the radio, 107.5 out there. Billy T was the DJ that you were listening to and you formed a friendship with. Yeah, Billy T was the only, I mean, we had hip hop on the radio, but it was like they had like, we had a DJ who uh, went by the name The Wizard and, the, and he ended up be, being behind the scenes it was jeff mills who is like one of the greatest techno djs house djs electro djs on the planet who is virtually at this point uh trying to find him anywhere is is very hard to see him anywhere because he's so overseas and and whatever but the wizard um when i was a kid always played you know like egyptian lover and planet rock and always played like run dmc and but Billy T specifically had an hour long rap show on 107.5 from like midnight to one o'clock called Rap Tracks. And he played, uh, you know, he played one, usually one Detroit song locally. And then the rest was just, you know, pretty much at that time was all New York hip hop, you know, like w whether it was, uh, I mean, G-Rap or Kane or, you know, whoever. Um, so that's that was the only, pretty much the only outlet we had, you know, of, of actually listening to um, full-blown songs of hip-hop on the radio when I was coming up. And it's funny because that's the connection Bobby and I have is through Kwame because, um, you know, at one point, a friend of mine had went to New York and, and got a mixtape brought it back here on cassette dubbed it and played it for everybody in the neighborhood and this one song the, that Kwame had was the man we all know and love and I just fell in love with that song and I kept trying to get Billy T who I was friends with through calling in on his radio show constantly I was just a kid I was always bugging him all the time and I tried to get him to play the record and he was like nope 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 and I just bugged him for like 
two weeks. And finally he was like, all right, I'll play it. But if I play it, I'm gonna play it on a pump it or dump it segment. I was like, great. Cause I know I was, I kept telling him like, they're gonna pump it. So Billy T played it. Of course, every caller that called in was like, you know, this is dope. This is fresh. You need to pump it. Well, then he played it consistently for like two months. Well, then Kid and Play came to town. And who did they bring out on stage? It was Kwame. Kwame. Brand new. Never, like, this was like his first time in Detroit ever. And uh, he came out, dropped his shorts. He had on polka dotted boxers. The whole, he starts doing the, they let him do the man we all know and love. The whole crowd in Kobo Arena knew every word and were singing along with him. So basically, like, if it comes down to it, I tell Kwam this to this day, like, I broke his record in Detroit. And, you know, I got to meet Kid and Play back then. They were on tour with, you know, uh, Salt and Pepper. And um, I was backstage. And, you know, and then, then, you know, through Bobby, when I got my deal on Geffen, Kwam had now turned into K1, the producer, uh, and Bobby had connected me with him on trying to get some beats so I could try to see if there was something that could, you know, put on my album, you know, and then we got to talking and I got to tell him that connection, which was so dope. You know, this was like I said, like one of my idols growing up, you know, and I laugh with Billy T nowadays, like whenever I see him, like, you know, you, you know, about those back in those days when I was just a kid, you know, calling in, I, I mean, I bugged the shit out of Billy T all the time, like, but Billy T really respected you know, that I knew what I was talking about because there was so many songs that he would ask my opinion. And I just knew like, this is hot. This isn't hot. This is hot. This is, this is fresh. This isn't, you know, and so eventually my statistics leaned that I knew what I was talking about because those records always ended up becoming major hits, you know, Road to the Riches being one of them. You know, I was I was one of the people who helped critique that on the radio here, you know, so um, smooth operator. Another one that I like I, I knew what I was talking about, you know, and, and Billy would play those records. Well, Billy T went on to become like a major DJ here in Detroit, you know, so we, we forged a friendship throughout the years. And Billy T is a radio legend. If he's not in the Hall of Fame, he'll be in it one day for sure. And um, but yeah, man. Uh, all those records back in the day that 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 I grew up on were always New York hip hop. You know, once in a while there might be a you know an Ice T record that gets thrown in there, Colors, you know, being one of them, or Six in the Morning, or you know. But you know, I, I mean, that's when I was coming up, and I was just you know, that's what I was coming up to. So, yeah. You've also credited Easy B and DJ Los Untouchable as an inspiration to you as well, as far as getting into it, really rapping. Bro, I am friends with Los to this day. Los is on our record. Um, he did the cuts on Oh Yeah with uh, Lil D. Um, Los and I forged a friendship later on in life, maybe maybe probably eight years ago. Uh, we had to do this Detroit uh, uh, segment for B-Shine. Uh, B-Shine came out to Detroit and we did like a whole Legends segment and whatever and freestyle and and uh, Los was there and I got to sit down with him and actually tell him like, listen, man, when I was coming up, like for me looking 
to be a rapper and not having a clue as to what, how to even go about that or anything like that. I used to see these guys like in the mall, just walking around big dookie chains on and, you know, all just fresh, just rocking, you know, whatever it may be on. They had the same, you know, jackets and, and man, these guys were rap superstars to me and to see them in my neighborhood, you know, in my neighborhood mall and then hear them on the radio, um, the song untouchable, they had an album called untouchable and untouchables and, and they, they just were everything to me. And, and Los's dad is Carlos Butch small who went on to do all the percussion over all the death row music. So Los already had teeth in the game as a youth. Um, he was doing stuff with a lot of Detroit legends, awesome Dre and a hardcore committee who, um, who, I saw become one of the first Detroit acts to have a, have a deal. Um, he had a, a record deal through priority, um, you know, and then just, like I said, just seeing these guys all around and I was able to see Lowe's eight years ago and, and have that talk with him and tell them what a big influence they were for me because they, they were the ones that showed me, yes, I can do this. You know, like I'm sure I don't know how Bobby feels about it or, you know, how Bobby perceives it in his, you know, where you were, you know, where Bobby came from. But I know that, you know, obviously New York rap is, I mean, if I was, if I was from Mecca, I mean, I, man, I'd be, you know, you have so much influence. You got five boroughs of influence there, you know, who crafted and created a full cult culture. Detroit, we didn't really have that. So like the little bits and pieces that we had, of the beginning stages of this Detroit hip hop culture, for me to see that was so like, oh my God, it was like I was looking, like I was from New York seeing G-Rap or Big Daddy Kane in my neighborhood, you know, like, so, you know, those guys, those guys really uh, showed Detroit how to do it, you know, in in that sort of way. Um, Easy B, he, he ended up, uh, I think he caught a case, um, and he's been uh, he's been held down, you know, for a long, long time. But Los has held us down out in the streets, DJing for everybody. I mean, he's been on tour with Royce. He's been Royce's tour DJ. You know, he's really stayed in the game. And, you know, and his dad, like, you know, his dad's been a part of the game and still is. You know, his dad's still out here doing stuff with people. So, um, yeah, it was a major moment for me as a kid. You mentioned an important thing five boroughs of influence and Bobby J I want you to shine in this do you feel as though we still have the five boroughs of influence today with newer artists because we have to look at artists like you and then we even have to go up upstate now because of the Griselda guys and then you have to look at Harlem for guys like Dave East how do you feel about the influence of the five boroughs now with newer artists because nowadays it's all one trendy sound and what people are doing on social media and I always say this I feel as though social media is kind of ruining hip-hop in a way where they're just giving exposure to what people or how many numbers people are doing on social media what are are your thoughts on that um I don't know if it's as influential on people from my generation, maybe younger kids, because to be honest with you, I, I really don't know what artists are from New York anymore, much less what borough they rep. Like I know Dave East is from Harlem. You know, I know ASAP Rocky's from Harlem, you know, 
I think little TJs from Queens and shit like, like, you know, I know certain shit, you know what I'm saying? But um, it's not like when I was growing up where you knew a rapper was from Brooklyn, you know, you know, little fame is from fucking Brooklyn, you know, Smith and West, they're from Brooklyn, you know, you know, uh, Nas is from Queens, you know, uh, you know, Fat Joe's from the, the BX, like, it's just not, I, and I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's if 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 it's just a a product of rap just not becoming becoming less regional and more of just like a kind of we're all in this together type of thing where you hear a rapper and you you really you really can't like it's it's beyond New York. You really you hear a rapper and you really can't discern where a lot of these guys are from. No, to be honest with you, like it's just such a uniform sound throughout the entire culture of rap music at this point that there's almost it's almost kind of been stripped of its identity and i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing and it's it's also on multiple levels like you know i, I can even go as far as saying like producers like i just remember listening to when you would listen to producers in the 90s or the early 2000s like you would hear a beat and you go oh Pharrell did that. Oh, Dilla did that. Did Primo that. did that. Oh, Primo did that. Oh, that's that's a Pete Rock. Oh, that's a Dilla beat. Boo. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's a there there was a there was a signature. Like you yeah. know, as as a producer or just regional, you'd be like, oh, that producer's from you know Atlanta, or that producer's from Texas, or that producer's from the West Coast, or whatever. Like there was just there was just subconscious shit that you would pick up on that would let you know where those producers were from or what produce or or if somebody really had their own style you could tell where they were from um even with rappers you know the way they would say certain words or their dialects or the way they would rhyme like oh that's a la rapper oh that's an atlanta rapper oh that's a midwest rapper that's a new york rapper you know like to be honest with you, man, I don't know if it's just a symptom of me getting older or maybe tuning out a little bit. I just don't see those distinctions anymore. It's not as easily identifiable to say, oh, you know, that's an, like, I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't know some of these kids were from New York if, if I didn't read about it or they explicitly said it. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Like, I'm not making a statement of of. I'm not making a statement of that's good or that's bad. Maybe it's good because it's just kind of, we're all in the same gang and whatever. Like it, it just, it doesn't matter anymore. Whereas back in the days there was almost beef between regions and there was beef between regions, but you know, it was just kind of like, this is our shit. Don't copy our shit. You know, this is the Atlanta sound. This is the New York sound. This is the West coast sound. This is the Midwest sound. And people were overprotective of it. And if you if you tried to sound like somebody else, you were, you biting. were biting. Yeah. You know, um, I don't, I don't, I don't really think that matters anymore. I think everything now is just open source, especially with the internet and social media and the way music spreads like wildfire, you know. It's yeah, not, let me jump, let me jump normal. in here. I think I think my generation, I think my generation missed the boat on holding people's feet to the fire on what the sound is supposed to be regionally 
it's like he said, like you knew the Atlanta sound, you knew the LA sound, you knew the LA had like that gang culture sound, right? Because most of it, they were all friends or related or whatever, gang bang together, whatever it may be. New York, they rep their borough. You knew what that what came out of that, and you also heard it, you know, lyrically. They were, you know, everybody was quick to say where they were from, you know. You know, when you heard when you hear Lil Fame or or you hear uh, you know, MOP yell Brownsville, you know, you knew, you know, this isn't a place to be fucked with. Like they, and they 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 maintain that. But I think my generation, we allowed we allowed it to 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 breathe too much, right? And in and not in a not in a um in a purposeful way like it, we we did it just thinking that it was going to be better right for hip hop that the more the more it's spread out and the more everything that we kind of i think my generation also got lost thinking that um you know it was like an automatic thing that everybody knew what they should be doing or how they should be repping or whatever it may be and the new people coming up, they just they just heard something and they attach to it and then they rap like it. You know, I mean, there are some New York rappers. I don't even I, they sound like they're from the South. They don't even sound like they're from the new, from New York. And that always bugs me out because I hear it and I'm like, bro, like. Why are like I'm thinking to myself, why do you rap? Why? Why? Are, you know, why do you why does your style like that? You know, like that's. And like, yo, man, I'm a trap rapper. Well, wait a minute, because there's New York trap. I hear New York trap. There's Chicago drill, right? But now people are latching onto the drill thing and just, you know, and the South is putting drill beats, rapping over drill beats. And it's just, it's so discombobulated now that, that you know, we talk about rap sometimes, you know, like I talk about it with my son. He's going to be 27 that sometimes I think that rap should be subgenred out, right? The same way rock music is. He's like, fuck that, never. Rap is rap, that's just the way it is. Like it should not be ever, no. Cause then you're just, now you're putting a stranglehold on what people, you know, what it should be. And I'm like, yeah, but if this is the way that we're, well, this is the way it was built and this is the way it was made, at some point we gotta like pull the reins in a little bit. But, you know, to his credit, you know, he also, you know, that's his generation. If that's what they want to do, then we got to hope that they're do they're, they're going to make, they're going to make it better. Right. right. That's the way I've always seen hip hop. Like you, we, who are we to really tell people how it's supposed to be also, because we want the, we wanted when we were coming up, at first, we didn't want any brands attached to us. We didn't want to be doing commercials, you know? And now look at hip hop now. This is a trillion dollar industry, you know? And if we had held the reins on it, a lot of people wouldn't be eating. And now everybody get, gets a chance to eat. And people are now at the point where they can do it on their own. They can do it in their home. They can distribute it on TuneCore. They can go out and sell merch. They can do so many different things that when I was coming up, like Bobby said, there was a formula that I was used to. And, you know, thank God that I have a partner like Bobby J, you know, who showed me, you know, look, man, 
this is this is the new way and you got to trust me on this and i trusted him man and that it bro we 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 broke the top 25 on itunes hip-hop chart and that was a big deal for me i've never i've been on billboard at number 83 but i've never cracked anything like that and somehow bobby you know was able to show me like yo if we do it this way you got to trust me that you know we're, we're gonna do this this way if we had followed my way it would have been totally different you know i would have saw a different outcome so you know we all know the the definition of insanity you know right so it's just about some people got to accept change and just hope that we do better on it you know and 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 show our boroughs our cities where we're from and still rep where we're from to the highest fullest you know that we're supposed to a lot of people don't want to do that a lot of people want to just latch onto another a sound that's attached to a region without repping who they're from and because they think it's cool or it's trendy or whatever those kind of people i could do away with bro i don't really i don't really want to see them in this in 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 our culture because that's just biting that's just trying to grab a fast dollar because you know it is what it is but you know the true blue ones they'll they'll always rep where they're from you know bobby has a detroit sound man I, I, I think Bobby, even though he's from Queens and he reps Queens, bro, when Bobby gets on a Detroit track, he sounds like a Detroit rapper. There's plenty of songs we've done that I've been like, damn, this dude could have grew up at Seven Mile, you know? Yeah. But he still reps Queens to the fullest. He Bob does. Rock, he's, rocking, he's rocking the hat, bro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bro, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who reps Far Rock the way this dude does, man, for real. Oh, yeah. And even MC Search has taken a liking to him. And you actually have some upcoming work with MC Search. Congratulations on that, Bobby Jab. And I, I recently peeped your stuff because I've been so out of touch with social media because I stay away from it just because of, you know, for my sanity. Right. But I, I went back and, and did my research here and just caught Good up idea. with, with the idea. while. And you've been working, man. Yeah, man. Um, you know, shout out to MC Search. We just did a video um, last Friday. Hush was in town. I was down in Orlando around his way about a week before shooting down there. We got a record called Round Here about to come out. Uh, it's produced by my boy Chrome, which was actually the 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 guy that kind of brought us, not brought us together because we had had a rapport for maybe a year or two before this song came about. But he was the producer that... Um, sent me the song search was already on it he's like yo you want to get on it i put a hook on it i put a verse on it search heard it he loved it he you know wanted to redo his verse he redid his verse and and you know um the song's amazing uh we got about to come out i think it's the first single that search is putting out as a solo artist in like 27 years so uh, you know obviously being from rockaway beach and and just you know being a part of the the hip hop scene out here to have a cosign from somebody that you know paved the way not only for me but just for really white rappers in general you know what i mean like aside from third base it was the beastie boys you know what i mean so it was a very surreal moment to um you know not not just to have a friendship with mc search but to put a song out with them and shoot it in my neighborhood and have people from my neighborhood come through and get to experience that with everybody it was just an amazing day so um yeah man like you know up the utmost respect to him you know what him and third base did you know it's it's i wouldn't be here without them hush wouldn't be here without them so 
you know, and, and, and for me to uh, involve Hush in it was really special as well. Cause I know Hush was a big third base fan. So, you know, it was, uh, it was just a cool day, man. And I'm just excited. I'm excited for people to hear the song, man. And he, had, and he had Detroit roots cause he was a radio DJ here. That's right. right. After his hip hop career, he went out and did some on air work. Yeah. The cactus. That's, that's one of the all time great albums. Bro, that is a that was a classic out the gate. Oh my god, Cactus was so influential to me. Oh my god, the gas face stepping in the AM. Bro, words of wisdom, triple stage darkness, like that album was, and the the production was fire. Like the the skits were fire. Like everything was fire about that. Oh yeah, it's just one one for the history books with that album that we look back on. A classic for hip hop for sure. And Hush, you know, you've had your stories of the past and with the ruckus, we shine. But you you heard Jay Dilla play players for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jay Dilla came into St. Andrews Hall. House Shoes, DJ House Shoes was uh, DJing that night. And Dilla used to do this thing where he would come straight from the studio and he'd bring the DAT machine with him. People don't know what a DAT machine is. It was just like a little micro cassette that we used to like, you know, mix our records right to a DAT. And we'd use it either for mastering or we'd use it for performances. So we would put our performances on a DAT machine and that's how we played it. This was like pre CDs. Um, and Dilla would always bring his DAT machine to St. Andrews on a Friday, straight from the studio. If he, if he thought he had a hot one, he brought it to St. Andrews. We had, we had a, um, a night on Friday nights called Three Floors of Fun. So it was like three floors. Um, we had the shelter in the basement, which was usually like rock night. Um, then we had St. Andrews, which was all hip hop. And then on the third floor was techno and house. And we would just jump from, you know, whatever. But this night, Dilla brought in uh, the DAT machine and he played players. Bro, I can tell you, I, I, I visually can see everything that happened in that moment. Like I watched all of us go to the front of the stage because anytime Dilla was playing something, we were like, oh shit, Dilla's here. Like he's about, I know he's about to drop something. And then he always had the DAT machine on his arm. He'd be walking with his little short ass, get up on a stage, plug it in, dap up house shoes. House shoes get on the mic. Yo, I need everybody to come to the motherfucking front of the stage. And if people weren't fucking listening, it was like, skirt with the needle. And he just stopped the music. Yo, I know you motherfuckers are heard me. I said, get to the front of the stage. Everybody walked to the front. And then, boom, he dropped players. And right out the gate, like, we just were like, yo, that fucking record's out of here. Like, it's crazy. And as um, soon as the record's done, Unplug, Dilla just take the fucking tap machine and walk right out the building. Dilla never stayed at, at Three Floors of Fun. Friday nights was like our night never. I mean, he would just come in, play it to see what reaction he'd get. You know, and but 100% of the time, he got the, he got the reaction he was looking for anyway. I heard him play uh, Look of Love for the first time. I was there when they performed the intro that's on Look of Love on Fantastic. That the little, you know, they and they recorded that. Like, yeah, and then our boy, D.L. Jones, who produced uh, Living This Lifetime and is singing on, uh, I mean, I produced it, but he's singing on Living This Lifetime on our album. D. 
D.L. Jones recorded the fantastic album for Slum Village. So he was there. So we, you know, we're, we, we have a little lot of history with Dilla. You know, I, I did a show with Dilla in, uh, in Miami. There used to be a thing called the, uh, the Winter Music Conference. And it was like everybody would go down during the winter. It was like October or November. I forget when it was. And we'd all go to Miami, South Beach. And it was like just everybody from all over, college, radio, uh, independent artists, major artists. And we were all on doing shows and stuff. And it was me, uh, Dilla, Frank and Dank, and Bahamadia. Oh, and Fat Cat. And did a show down there. And, and Dilla was my man. Dilla and I grew up together as kids, as little kids, like six years old, seven years old you know, playing baseball and football and all that stuff in our backyards and stuff. Wow. Um, and then there was a period where we, where we didn't know each other. You know, you just get, you turn nine and then you stop hanging with that person and then you move and, and we stopped hanging until it wasn't until uh, later on that I found out that, you know, this was my childhood friend, you know, that Dilla was much and along with T3, from Slum Village. We were childhood friends, which was just crazy. And then we grow up to be rappers and, you know, have our, our little fame. And it's like, it's the wildest shit in the world. You know, they, they went to Pershing High School. My mother went to Pershing High School. So we all had this big connection, you know? So, you know, there's things that I listen to, you know, there's some things that I do production wise that once it's done, I'm like, damn, that's something Dillo might've, you know, influenced me to do, you know, like, the the it, you know for me greatest producer of all time bro agreed rest in peace he's truly the greatest I, I agree with you on that yeah. i would love to hear the first time that you met eminem because he's a good friend of yours just coming up first time i met him he uh i got introduced i had um i started the ruckus i had a group partner before uncle ill who's with me now um and was with me in the 90s um Early 90s, I had a, another person who started the group with me, um, and he was doing some solo stuff. The guy that was producing him and his solo stuff was this guy named Mannix, who was actually part of Basement Productions, which was the company and, and the production crew that M was in, um, that when Soul Intent and all of that stuff was going on. And I got to meet Mannix, and Mannix and I were both using an ASR-10 and we were both just talking to each other about production or whatever. And I had heard about M uh, through another friend of mine, Champ Town. And Champ Town had kind of like tried to put M on early on in uh, M's career, um, like took Eminem to Paisley Park because Champ Town had a, had a relationship with Prince and Prince would let him use the studio at Paisley Park. So he took Eminem with him. They went and recorded some songs. They did a song called, uh, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but they did a, a few songs that ended up on a Soul Intent album. Um, and then it just didn't work out between those two. Um, they had some beef and I didn't really know M at the time, but I knew Champ because Champ and I went to high school together. So then uh, I'm hanging out with Champ Champ was telling me all this bad stuff about M. I didn't really know him like that. Um, and I tried to like, I tried to mend their friendship. They were trying to mend their friendship and come figure out a way to, to make it work. 
And it just was, it just was, they were just button heads and whatever. And, and I put my two cents in, uh, I put my Detroit seven mile street sense <laughs> into the middle of that when I probably should looking back now, I probably should have just kept my mouth shut. Um, but we ended up in a fist fight, um, at some point. And, uh, Dude, like two weeks later, we were best friends. We saw, we saw each other at Three Floors of Fun, got together in a corner, chopped it up. And he was like, yo, like, we can squash this right now. And I was like, yeah, dude, like this, I'm down. Like, you know, and I, and I think we both recognized each other's talent. Like, I, I like dude. Like, I thought he was nice on the mic, you know. And really, that's all I wanted to be around at St. Andrews and Three Floors of Fun. Like, you know, everything you see in 8 Mile, that happened between Rabbit and oh Wink's and, character. It was it was based on when me. you when he got the broken nose. That was yes. you. That's me. Yeah. So um, you know, but that whole scene, that's all. I mean, it didn't happen in a radio station, but I mean that that's what happened between us. Um, and that and Wink's based on Champ and I. You know, Champ tried to get him a kept on telling me he was going to get him a record deal. You know, and then I was the one who got into actually into the fight with him. So it was like a combined, you know, whatever. But Em and I became like really close because we we really realized we had way more in common than we actually thought. Like we were both, uh, you know, both of our our first our firstborns were, were we, they were born two weeks apart. Um, both our baby mamas were pregnant at the same time. We were both jobless. We were both homeless at one point. We were both sharing the same couch in and out of the same house at one point. Um, so, you know, we had so much in common through our friends or whoever else. You know, when I wasn't sleeping on that couch, M was sleeping on that couch. You know, I just didn't know it because then I, I'd find some other place to live and then he would flop at my boy's house. So it was just like, you know, so we just realized that. But, but more so, we really respected each other as as MCs and and really grew a, grew a, grew a way to bond through rap, you know. Like I would I would drive him around to all the hip hop spots um, that he was afraid to go to, but I always had I had a pass to go into him. So I'd be like, "Yo, bro, come on, let's go. We're going in here. Oh man, we, we what are we going in here for? I'm like, yo, it's open mic. Let's go. Let's go jump on this mic." Like, so then I'd get in the mirror and I'd talk to the man at the door, like, yo, this is my dog, blah, 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 let him spit tonight. All right, cool, come on in. They would come in, you know, and this was, it was intimidating for him because, you know, it was, it was grimy, grimy clubs in, in the deep. And he, he never wanted that. I think he was, you know, maybe afraid if some beef popped off, you know, and shots might ring out. You, you never knew with some of these grimy spots we went to. But, bro, the minute he got on the mic, everybody's like guard just went down like oh my god like you know everybody just like loved this kid you know and uh you know i would take him to like like icp shows and have him sell his cassettes you know and you know he'd get in a fights with some of the fans in the crowd you know but we had a really good we had a really good run as friends man for real like like just on some real you know real real rap shit like you know, I was really, ra I was rapping about, I was like super anti-government when I first started rhyming. So my stuff was like all about, you know, you know, just real deep shit. And he loved that, but he would never rap like that. So that's why he liked it. Cause you know, he, that he had his way and I had my way, but we would be, you know, Bobby can tell you, we'd be freestyling 
with each other all the time, you know, and he would, he would help, you know, he, I'd say something, he'd go, man, you need to say it a little bit like this. You need to bend this word at the end like this. You should say this. And then I would tell him the same thing, like, nah, that line's whack. You should say it this way, you know, whatever. So we were always trying to challenge each other, you know, and then we made the only song we ever did together back then, We Shine, which was actually a proof beat. And Proof ended up rapping on the beat that I gave M. But We Shine, it it blew up for us. Like, you know, nationwide, the public loved it. Um, we got on a lot. This was like when blogs first started. You know, a lot of blogs put us in their top 10 with that song. And to this day, you know, I still get a lot of love from overseas. People want the record. I have some of the vinyl still. So people always, you know, want to buy the vinyl, get it signed and stuff like that. And and you know, and that all led to We Shine led to his line in Stan when when Stan says, I like that shit you did with Ruckus, too. That shit was fat because he was finding himself uh, on a Slim Shady tour going overseas or wherever. And people coming to him with the We Shine vinyl or the Ruckus cassette or the Ruckus CD asking him to sign our CD. And he'd be like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, and, and then I'd see him and he'd be like, bro, you know, I'm re you realize I'm, sign I'm signing as much of your shit as I'm signing my own shit. People are, I'm like, yeah, because you didn't really have that much out. You know, but pre-Slim Shady LP, the only thing he had was the EP. And that was like a limited run of whatever. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, that, that all led to some really good things, man. He, you know, he, that friendship, um, you know, led to him doing a, a couple beats on my major release on Bulletproof and then being in my video and being, you know, and, and, uh, you know, singing a hook on off to Tijuana and great, great times and great times and memories in my life, man. I, you know, I wouldn't trade them for anything, man. They taught me a lot as a kid and, you know, and how to be with people and how to, you know, I, the, the things that I learned from that experience, I carry with me to this day, you know, and, uh, they helped me a lot. You know, I, I, I can honestly say, man, that kid helped me become a better MC, you know, as a lyricist. I focused on a lot of other things pre him that I shouldn't have been focused on. And and he helped me. So, you know, I always give that kid props, man. I love that kid. Yeah, one of the greatest to ever do it. And the trending topic now with the game dissing him for the Black Slim Shady I just oh, want to ask. I, I want to ask you this question about it. Do you think Eminem will respond? And should he? No, he should. I don't think he should, but I think he will just because the MC in him and and if it was if it was somebody on a lower level, nah. Uh, and if he would respond, it would be just to spank him. You know what I mean? That like get out of here, little boy. You know, go back to your corner. But somebody like Game, who is heralded, you know, as a dope MC by a lot of people, and I, don't get me wrong, Game's dope. I like he him. Is, yeah. I, I like a lot of his songs. Um, the, the diss is whack as hell, but you know, 10 minutes of, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, you know? And, and so I think M will respond just because of where game is on that list of people's respect as an MC, you know, but this is going to show people that, yo, your man's out of line. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Your man is out of line, bro. You know, like even Haley had to step in and said something like, you know, who has to respond to my dad that takes 10 minutes of a, you know, 
if you if, you, if, if it was like a two minute like almost like the way that like the one of the dopest back and forth battles which is so funny to me was like that you know the everlasting m battle mm-hmm. that shit was fire because it was re- they, they were real songs you know they were only you know two and a half three minutes i mean i know he made one i think that was like five minutes long or whatever um because he put d12 on it but um but when like when like dilated responded to m it was like two 16 bars and they were done that was it you know when evidence like said something or whatever and it didn't even go anywhere after that so if anybody ever disses m i'm always like yo if you take 10 minutes if you take longer than three minutes you're reaching bro for real you're reaching for you're trolling them at that point yeah I don't think he should respond because I just think that, you know, the more he does things, it kind of lessens his brand sometimes, you know, that's the way I feel about it. Like there's a lot of shit he did that I don't think he should have did, you know, that, 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 that messes with the brand, you know, but the MC in him. (laughs) Sometimes the best response is no response, man. Yeah. Bobby thinks it's a love letter from game. (laughs) Like, the, the 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 diss the only the, the biggest takeaway from the diss for me was that game is very clearly a huge Eminem fan yeah. and 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 has studied his career because the reference he would the references that he was making were obscure references like when you're referencing stir crazy and songs that you know only like real hardcore Eminem fans know like it just leads me to believe that this is more of like I, the, the motivation behind it seems to be just, just kind of clout chasing. And, you know, he wants him and for someone to get, it's almost like Jay-Z Jay-Z at the height of his career. Like you think of the takeover days, the only MC that he really responded to was Nas, but everybody right. and their mother was trying to get a piece of Jay-Z and he was Cameron letting, and Jim Jones, he was letting, he right. was letting his, his little guys go after him. You know what I mean? The only person he deemed worthy of a response was Nas. So it's like when, when you're Eminem and you sold a hundred million records, you know, just responding to somebody gives their career a boost. Like absolutely MG, MGK got was probably happy as a pig in shit when Kill Shot dropped. And you saw it like, I mean, of course he's not making rap music anymore, but he became he used bigger, it to his leverage. He became he a bigger artist after that than he absolutely was. Like he's an A-list celebrity now, right? And, yeah. and a lot of people, <laughs> he's dating Megan Fox, man. Like he, he knew how to use it. That's the thing. He knew how right. to use that right. and leverage it to become a bigger artist right. and person. Right. I mean, th- it's really true what they say, man. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Like it doesn't matter if people are talking about you. Then that's all that counts. Kind of, you've kind of already won. So, what do you think, Max? You think he should respond? It's so tough because I'm a game fan, and it hurt when he dissed Eminem. Because I'm a game fan too. I'm a game fan too. But, but let's be honest. Let's be honest. Game hasn't had. Game has a core audience, that's for sure. And game has had a lot of very dope albums. Um, I think he's an incredible rapper. But on a commercial level, he has he has not seen the success that he had with the documentary. No, I agree. And and his career as having big commercial records, I think 
that's kind of waved bye-bye. I think that he's going to have his core audience and he's going to put out dope albums. And again, I think he's a great artist um, for what, for what he is, but I think what he's doing now is throwing Hail Marys and trying to get, uh, he's, he's trying to get attention for his album. And just look, look, he made a 10 minute song and that's the only song that they're talking about on his 25 song. Yeah, I mean, album. Not, there's, it, it'd be different. It'd be different if it was like a Drake back to back, if there was hits it, on it and it was yeah. a hit and they were playing it. If, 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 if the black slim shady was the biggest song in the club in the way that back to back was the biggest song in the club or was the, or the biggest song on radio, bro, then, then Eminem would have to respond because back won a Grammy. Think about exactly. that. <laughs> but, but because, because mo- the, 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 the general reaction I've heard from just about everybody who's listened to it is, it's cool, you know, and I think Eminem is is uh, has his ear to the street and can see that the response isn't really, you know, people aren't like, yo, he murdered Eminem. Eminem's done. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, nobody, no. Nobody's saying. I mean, this. the M haters are automatically going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's those haters who, who just don't want to see M win. At anything because he had he's had lulls in the last 10 years. Right. Right. And so you got those people that are they're waiting for somebody to go at him. So and so that they can have another reason to hate on him. Yeah. You know, but you know, what's crazy. You bring up Drake back to back. It's like I don't understand how artists have not seen that as the staple now. This dude got a Grammy off of a off of a, a a reply diss, right? That if you're gonna diss anybody at this point, you should be taking notes off of what Drake and Meek and and you know and and Pusha and all that that whole big for five years of what we had right there of going back and forth, watching how that played out and what people learned from it and what they earned from it, right? right? Black Slim Shady is what's that going to earn him on a twenty-something song, you know, album, bro? You that should have been if you're going to come out with something that should have been like a back-to-back, like Bobby said, like that should have been a club banger, yeah. something that that made people go, damn, like this song's a fucking hit, like and he's fucking got bars in there at going at M, all that fucking shit where he's like rapping like M from '99. Like nobody wants to hear the voice, you know, type shit. I want to hear the fucking bars. If you're gonna go at one of the greatest of all time, bro, you better come with it because that dude. Trust me, that dude. That's people don't understand how that guy works, man. That guy wakes up in the morning, goes to the studio at eight a.m., gets like takes the lunch at noon, only an hour, comes back to the studio at one, goes back to work one to five gets off of work at five. this is work this isn't yeah. like you know like this isn't just fun this is a real fucking job for this guy five o'clock goes home has dinner his engineer meets him back at the house at seven o'clock then from seven to whatever he he's still working on whatever it may be production lyrics spitting whatever songs mixing whatever then he goes to sleep he wakes up and he does the same fucking thing all over again. You know, there's a there's a there's a great story where Akon came into town to work I on a record that. with him. I heard that. That's a great bro. Story. And at like seven, he, like 
Akon's chilling and fucking partying and whatever and goes to the studio at six o'clock and the people are like, he's gone, bro. What do, what do you mean he's gone? He's gone for the day. Like he's out at five. What do you mean? They call him like, yo, man, where you at? Yo, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Like I've been at the studio eight to five. That's I take it as a job. It's my job. I, I punched in, I punched out. Akon's like, fuck, all right. And, you know, <laughs> goes to the studio the next day and sees like, yo, this dude is a fucking serious problem when it comes to this shit. You know, like I said, the lulls in between, and there's no reason. I mean, not everybody's fucking perfect. You know, you can't always expect somebody to be on their A game for fucking 30 years. You know, exactly. this guy, this guy's got classic albums under his fucking belt. The guy's got fucking, I mean, look at how many records this guy's fucking sold. He's probably sold twice what game sold, three times what game sold. And so game trolling him, game should have easily, like I said, took and I looked and saw whatever, how everything was working and said, if I'm going to do this, I got to do this, you know. And it's crazy to me that game doesn't have somebody in his corner you know, going, yo, bro, you should probably, you know, cut this down to this amount or, or you probably you shouldn't have said that, you know, or whatever. You know, you don't come at him with the voice, you know. That shit is garbage to me. Like, <laughs> anytime I hear people come back at M with that fucking voice that M used, I'm like, yo, you lost immediately, you know. Like, if, like it'd be like, yo, like if Benny or like Conway came at M, now you would now we're talking right game's just a troll bro i mean a game is like the <laughs> and, biggest and uh impersonator in rap it's funny because that's the strategy that eminem you used to used to use to diss other people like how eminem mimicked um everlast on i remember and stuff like that so right in a way He's dissing Eminem in the way Eminem would try to lampoon other people's styles. So there's there's just layers to like when I listen to it, like yo, this guy, he's just a fan, man. Like, it, fan. like realistically, yeah. like he's just a fan. Anyway, he's he already is. said too on many occasions what you know this guy's <laughs> on his list as you know is one of the greatest and and he's a problem and all this other stuff. So right. Oh yeah, but to answer your question, Hush, yeah, I don't think he should drop a response. Just let it rock. Yeah, yeah. That'd probably be the best thing to do. Yeah. But Bobby J here, you know, I want to get more into what else you have coming up. You have a project with Neff on the way. Right. Yeah. Hush is on it. Um, yes. It's, uh, yeah, me, me, you know, I think. Um, Neff is a beast. At yeah, me, beast. Bro. Uh, you know, me and, Neff, me and Neff met through Static. We have a great relationship, man. Just somebody who. I just see eye to eye with on a lot of things, just like on a creative level. And, um, you know, every song I've done with Neff has been a moment for me. Like even on my first album, Summer Classics, like the first song Primo ever played of mine was an album cut off Summer Classics called Top Down, which is something that Neff produced. And it, it super bugged me out because that meant that Primo heard the whole album. It wasn't something that I put out you know, for, for DJs to grab, he had heard the album. That was the song he gravitated to. And that was the song that he played. Like I heard it on the radio and I almost crashed my fucking car. <laughs> um, and every song I've done with Neff after that, from the songs we've done on endless summer 
to the song I, Montauk that I did on his album. People Fire. have just been like, yo, like the songs keep getting better, better and better. And people have just been like, yo, you guys need to do more together. And it's just like when 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 people keep telling you, you know, the same thing and pushing you in the, in the same direction, you kind of got to listen to it. So over, you know, while we were wrapping up 7182313, he's like, yo, I, he reached out to me and was like, I, I want to do a project together. So we started working on that probably uh, last September, like we're coming up on a year. Um, I mean, the, the, the bulk of the project's been done for a couple months. We've got a couple new songs under the belt, but um, we've just been taking our time with it. Um, trying to get as conceptual as we can, you know what I mean? Like try to tread on new ground that I haven't explored before. And um, like I said, we're just very, we're very much on the same page in terms of like where we want to go musically and what our tastes are. You know, he's not just a hip hop guy like, like me, you know, we like other genres of music and we kind of draw from the same influences. So um, we're putting the finishing touches on that now. Um, you know, working on getting artwork done, getting some videos done. Um, we're thinking like we'll probably start rolling stuff out maybe in like October, November. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, this project they got with Neff is amazing, man. Like I think he's one of the most talented, most promising up and coming producers. I mean, like just his work over the past year from what he's done with like Passport Rav and then his work with Primo, like he's, he's Primo's go-to guy. You know what I'm saying? Like he helped mix on the Kanye and game record, ironically, um, Easy. you know, the, he's, he did work on Primo's last EP. Um, you know, I, he's working with them all the time. So um, it's, it's just, it's just really dope to see him kind of come from the humble beginnings that he did. Cause when I, cause when I first met him, it was through static and he was pretty much like, he wasn't like an intern, but he was just doing like grunt engineer work in the studio. Um, you know, so to see to see him kind of, you know, cut his teeth as a producer and like and become his own, make his own name for himself is crazy. So everything is kind of happening at the same time. So I'm has he ever met him. Royce? Has he ever met Royce? Yes. Because I was going to reach out to Royce and ask him if, if he has ever met Neff. Yes, I think he was with Royce not too long ago, but you know, it's I I know with Neff, it's um, you know, he, he's working with Prem, and it's a new relationship, and I think it's it's you know, he doesn't really he doesn't really tell a lot of people that you know, it's it's something that he kind of keeps close to the to the chest, because you know, once people know you're you're working with somebody, people come out the woodwork and they want something. Yeah. And it's like, but uh, yeah, man, he's 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 a beast, though, bro. Beast, man, and. Uh, Hush is on the record. Um, I got uh, my man YSP is on the record. Um, FT is on the record. J57 is on the record. Um, just, just dope, man. I'm, I'm super excited for people to hear it. You know, I am too. I don't, I don't think I ever asked you this question, no, Bobby J. Are you looking to? Are there any labels reaching out to you, majors? No. <laughs> uh, I think, I think I'm at the point now where I'm just starting to get on people's radar you know i think the biggest label i've been associated with so far is um i got a joint on my man dom dirty's album called dmx energy that that's right just released the visual for yeah that that the visual just came out for that um that came out on duck down 
you know, Duck Down follows me now. Um, like for me, that's that's as a hip hop fan, that's like a feather in the cap um, bucket list moment. You know, like that shit is Down, hard body too. What, what they've been, what they've been behind, and the artists that they put out, it's like it's an honor. You know what I'm saying? Like to be on an album that they're behind. Um, for me, at this point, um, you know, I I feel like I still have a ways to go. I think when, when the time does come to actually sign to somebody, I want to be in a position where I have the leverage to get a deal that I think is fair. You know, it's like I've at one point in my life, getting a record deal was like all I cared about. And I think now, you know, it's just not something I care about or or when it does happen, it'll just happen at the right time. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm more concerned with building my own fan base, building what I'm doing independently. I don't think I'm at the spot where I need to be at yet. I think, um, things are definitely changing for the better for me. You know, I was, I was saying the other day, um, you know, I'll go out now and I'll meet other rappers or I'll meet other producers and, the one difference I notice now is like people know who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like if I introduce myself, they know my name or they know my music or they fuck with my music. And that's a huge, that's a world of difference from where I was at a couple of years ago, where it's like, nobody really knew who I was. Like I was like completely unknown. So the one thing I'm seeing now is my work is starting to pay off a little bit, you know, at least in the circles that I run in. And, and because it's really like a classroom, like the people that, make the type of music that I make the the rappers that that are in the same zone as me you know it's all it's not it's not a huge group of people but it's an influential group of people so um it's good that I can go out now and meet people and and um they at least have a a base level awareness of what I'm doing or or, or what my name is so I think that's step one um you know but I, I still got a, I still got a lot of ways to go man this is uh this is a marathon, not a sprint. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to put in the work and earn my dues and get my respect. And I think, um, when the time's right and the time comes, I think it'll happen. You know, I've, I've approached labels in the past and I've worked with labels in the past. Um, the deals that have been presented, um, to me have been kind of one-sided and not really worth it. So, you know, if that's where I'm at now, it's, it's not really, you know, a huge level of concern for me. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm better off just kind of playing it independent and um, doing the work and, and, and building the awareness and building the fan base. Because I think once you have the people and you have people supporting you, you know, buying your music or buying your merch or whatever, and you're actually doing it and you don't need the middleman, that's when you have the leverage to kind of negotiate something that's fair, you know? Exactly. How was the wedding, man? <laughs> Last time we talked, I don't even think you were engaged. Oh shit. The wedding was great, man. The wedding, we just celebrated uh, our year anniversary. Congrats on that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, was it that long? Since yeah. It's been, it's been that long. I've been independent for a year. Damn dude. That's crazy, man. Um, yeah. So you're not with uh, St. John's anymore. No, nah, we've, the, the ties were cut. I graduated. The ties were cut though. So now you're just continuing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, man, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's crazy. You know, I don't feel much different. I mean, we were pretty much married before. So, um, you know, we were living together. So now it's just solidified, but you know, we're, um, we're building a house and trying to get all that stuff done. So he's got a dog. Got a dog. <laughs> yeah, man. Sucker. I'm, I'm living the adult life now. He's so. suckered in now. 
Oh boy. Yeah. There's so many things on the way for this guy, man. I'm happy to see him grow. I'm happy to see you back on the scene, Hush, and keep going out here. And I know he's inspiring you out here. Could we expect any solo work from you, a solo album? Because as Bobby J mentioned before, 2014 was the last solo album. But now that Bobby J has got you on your toes, could we expect a new album here? Yeah, no question. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, uh, it's in my brain. Uh, I'm trying to like figure out how, you know, how to execute it. Uh, I had a little, I got a road, a, a roadblock right now with my equipment down. So I'm trying to figure out how to uh, maneuver around that. Um, but, you know, that, that, bro, trust me, like before this happened, I was telling Bobby like, yo, I quit, bro. Fuck this <laughs> shit, man. I'm fucking done with this fucking industry, all of it. Like, yeah. I just wanted to chill, you know, like, I mean, I, it's just like, uh, but, you know, it's in your it's in your blood, you know what I mean? And, and you just, it just takes somebody to inspire you. And when you got somebody like this kid, you know, in your corner and that's pushing you, you know, I mean, bro, this, that's just how this album happened. You know, like he was like, yo, let's do, let's, let's just do a song, see what happens. You know, yeah, Hush's attitude is, has changed. I think from when we first started working to now it's, it's totally <laughs> different. Like, I think, you know, he's got a, a level of confidence and, and like drive to make music that I don't think was there before. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. So which is one song turned to two, turned to three, turned to an album, you know, and solo wise, I mean, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to do an album. Right. Um, And and it's dope. It's dope for me to see, like, it's dope for me to see, like, I want him to go and do shit outside of what we do together. Like, I love seeing that. Like he just did a feature for my boy Chrome, you know, like I, I, I love the fact that I could bridge him to other artists or and and or just just that he wants to be out rapping again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't we don't always need to be making music together or if he's like producing for other people. Like I always push him like, yo, you should be out here, you know, producing for other rappers. You know what I'm saying? Because that's a whole other skill. That's a skill set that I don't have, you know. So, um, yeah, what's well, Vinny cool. Paz just asked me for a batch of beats. Yeah. So Jedi mind trick. So it's like, it's, yeah, it's dope, you know, but I mean, uh, you know, I definitely want uh, our group, you know, seven, one, eight, two, three, one, three. We're definitely going to have to do a volume two at some point. Cause that's just, that's just, dude, there's no way I'm fucking, I'm going out when I'm fucking 80 years old with this motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, Bro, we're going to fucking ride this shit till the wheels fall off. I don't give a fuck. Somebody's going to have to tell me to quit at this point. Yeah. You know? It's like, he, and, and he that's, that's what it's bro, about. It's the best. He's like, bro, he's like become the big brother. Little brother turned to big brother, you know? And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's dope, man. I love coming to New York. You know, I love being around this guy. Uh, I love being around his family. You know, that's, that's the other thing to this. You know, you, you, you come into this game, man, and you make friendship with, with friendships with people. You know, sometimes you just make acquaintances, you know, because you rap. You rap? Oh, I rap. All right, cool. Let's just hang out and talk about rap. But then you meet people, you know, when you meet certain people and you meet their, their mother or their father or their wife or their girlfriend or their kids or whatever, you know, you build a, a real relationship with somebody. And I feel, you know, like, um, you know, I... I this dude's like a part of my family at this point, you know, and me coming to New York and being around his mom and his wife. And, you know, that stuff is, it's, it's real, 
to me that and especially like that's that's legacy shit that I love to be around you know I'm I'm a father of three so you know it's important for me you know to uh build on the family side of that with somebody in the business because you know that's you know you can come in this game and be like oh you rap and I rap and we hang out whatever but then you walk away and he's like you'll never see that motherfucker ever again you know, but then you come into a, the game and you build a, or you really forge a friendship with somebody. And, you know, like I said, I got this guy who, who pushes me. He's behind me. He's supporting me. Yo, this is dope. Yo, you need to be doing more of this. Yo, like you need to, you need to spit this. Yo, you need to come like this. I never had that. I was always big brother to, you know, in the game or, or my peers were on a lateral plane, you know, um, Granted, I had, you know, M, you know, coming up. None of y'all got to see that M, but I know that M and, and that M is, I know that M got better with when I wasn't around anyway, you know, and, and I wasn't around for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, coming up, having a lateral friend tell you that or whatever. But now where I'm at now to have somebody like this dude who's on top of his fucking game who I'm telling you, man, this motherfucker's a pit bull, bro. I will, I would, man, I'm telling you, if, if we could gamble on fucking rap, I'm telling you, I would grab this motherfucker like the color of money and walk into a fucking room and just watch him play the fucking pool hall all fucking day, eating motherfuckers alive. And we walk out that bitch with a, with a, with 10 racks. That's how I feel about this kid. You know, and to have him behind me like that, man, it means everything to me. I love this kid, man, for real. Only big things on the way, and we've already achieved so much already, man, for Bobby J here. Hush, I want to thank you guys for your time and just all the short stories that you shared here tonight on the show. I appreciate everything that you're doing for hip-hop, keeping the real hip-hop going out there and just keeping it up with your guys' legacies and your own stories. You got so much on the way here. And I want you to let them know where they can follow you on all the social media, Instagram, Twitter, everything. Um, at Bobby J from Rockaway on Instagram, at Bobby J Rockaway on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Bobby J from Rockaway, YouTube.com slash Bobby J. If you search Bobby J from Rockaway on any streaming platform, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, whatever, you'll find me. Um, yeah, man. And uh, if you're a fan of the music, hit my DM, let me know. Try to respond to all fans, you know what I mean? And I just appreciate everybody out there who's listening to the music, everybody that's supporting the album. Thank you, because without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do this, you know, um, that's that's the most important factor. You know what I'm saying? Like Hush mentioned before, we we cracked the, the 20, top 25 on iTunes when we came out and that blew my mind. And that wouldn't have happened without people, you know, following us and, and supporting what we do. So thank you. Of yeah. course. Hush, let them know they can follow you as well. Yo, Hush 313 IG and Twitter and then go to. uh Go to 718-2313.com. Um, they can catch all the videos there that takes links right to our uh right to Bobby's uh YouTube page. Watch all our videos, subscribe, you know, do what they gotta do, like all that good stuff. Um, yeah, man. And then uh hit me up. Anybody wants beats, hit me up, email me 313hush at gmail.com. Reach out. These people got to reach out. Do your research on Hush as well. He's got a lot of history behind him. He knows the real Cheddar Bob. <laughs> yes, he's my DJ, bro. He's, yeah. That's my DJ. <laughs> he's, he's a fucking fool, too, bro. Like, he's 
He is who he is, man. He's Cheddar Bob for life. He was drunk Bob when we were coming up. But they the movie fucking they switched his name up to Cheddar Bob. And so he after that, his fucking fool ass was like, Oh, I guess I'm Cheddar Bob now. So everybody calls him Cheddar Bob. But he's my DJ, man. And he's got beats. Dude's crazy with it. Yeah. So yeah. Cheddar Hush Bob. is coming, featuring Nate Dog. He's got some classics right there. And Hush is still coming. Yeah, that's right. I'm here, bro. I ain't going nowhere. Pause. Pause. Oh, Bobby J and Hush, thank you guys for coming on the show, man. I appreciate both of you. you, Thank you, brother. Thank you. Always welcome. Pleasure, man. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your night. All right. All right, man. Be good. Good. Thank you.